You're listening to Khan Podcasts. Turning to Israel-Russia tensions over the Jewish agency activities in Russia, we asked Professor Jonathan Dekelchen, an expert on Russian history and Israel-Russia relations at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, what in his view is behind the current crisis between Israel and Russia. Well, I think it's 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 part of also the the, the general scene right now um, between the West and and Russia, and once Israel has become more identified in this current conflict with the Western NATO nations, then the reactions that Israel will be encountering from uh, Putin, from the Russian Federation, will be more akin to the kinds of reactions and, and policies that have informed Russia's uh, reactions to the West, to NATO nations. And that until the turnover between um, uh, former Prime Minister Bennett and the current Prime Minister Lapid, Israel had been much more careful on its part to present a a kind of balanced approach to the current conflict between Russia and Ukraine, not because it necessarily didn't understand uh, who, who was on the right side of this conflict, but rather as a matter of protecting Israel's national interests that go far beyond uh, where you know the line of contact is in the battles in eastern or southern Ukraine, it has a lot to do with uh, what happens around our borders here in Israel. So uh, the current prime minister, for his reasons, has has shifted that kind of uh, balance more in the favor of support for Ukraine, and therefore, uh, with that shift, it hasn't been huge, but it's been big enough so that Russia is now. Um, treating Israel, and to, to, to a greater degree, much like it treats uh, Western NATO countries. Now, Prime Minister Lapid has at least indicated in his remarks so far he's not backing down. He says if Russia pushes ahead with actions against the Jewish agency, it will affect bilateral relations. So can we see expect yeah. to see this blow up or ultimately find some sort of way to work it through? Well, I, I would hope, again, for Israel's national interests, that we can find a way to <clears throat> de-escalate this, this current disagreement, uh, this current sort of sub-conflict, um, whether it's the, a, a well-placed phone call or higher-level but quiet diplomatic contact. I think it would serve certainly Israeli interests more than kind of going into a head-to-head uh, a, a legal battle, which we can't win in, in Russia, because no one can. Uh, the legal system is not constructed that way in, in today's Russia. Uh, so I certainly hope that there can be a resolution to this, because it certainly doesn't serve Israel's interest to have the, the Jewish agency expelled. And, you know, with all due respect to Israel's position in the world, there is not, to my estimation, a whole lot uh, other than symbolic gestures that Israel can do uh, that would be painful in any way uh, to Russia. Uh, we can only lose by uh, by relations deteriorating with Russia, again, in terms of our national interests along our northern border and um, um, with Iran. So would you say then that this es- issue escalated from the outset, not necessarily because of Russia's concerns over the Jewish agency activities, but because of its displeasure with Israel's actions and statements in the broader arena? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are, and, and you know, there's some. There are a lot of historical uh, forces at work here. I mean, it is true that um, um, going back to the days of the Soviet Union, and although Putin tries to distance himself from Soviet rule and what that meant, uh, he is a an ex-Soviet person, and so even from Soviet days, um, the Kremlin was concerned about Jewish immigration from than the Soviet Union for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, among them, a kind of brain drain. Among them, how it looked to the general population when Jews or, or any other minorities were seeking to flee uh, for whatever reasons. So I think there is some sensitivity there, but it's not in terms of Russia's interests, whether or not 150,000 Jews, you know, or, or however many, it's, it's difficult to count. There are still disagreements among scholars, demographers, about how many Jews are actually in the Russian Federation or in Ukraine. But let's say a couple hundred thousand Jews suddenly decide to emigrate from the Russian Federation, it, it, it won't come crumbling down. That, that's not the main issue here. Israel has, has inserted itself in a new way into the, the current Russia-Ukraine crisis, which is a sort of East versus West crisis, and this is the way that it's now manifest. And, you know, amongst European nations, it would be more about gas, um, and natural gas, and, and, and oil, whereas in, in grain exports, whereas in Israel, the, the, the pressure point, so to speak, can be around the activities of the Jewish agency and, and immigration. But again, the, 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 the 600-pound gorilla in the middle of the room is not, you know, the Jews, uh, tens of thousands of Jews wanting or not wanting to exit Russia. Uh, Russia is a is far too big and powerful a country to really be that concerned uh, with uh, a relative handful of Jews who might want to leave. What about its activities in general? Does it also play a role in terms of cultivating Jewish life in Russia? Well, uh, you know, truth be told, under the Putin regime, and really since the disintegration of the Soviet Union, that began in the late 1980s, Jewish life and all religious life, uh, uh, perhaps to a degree less uh, Muslim life, uh, because there's much more sensitivity there in the Kremlin, but certainly Christian and Jewish life have undergone a renaissance uh, in, in the Russian Federation. And so uh, Putin himself and uh, his regime and Yeltsin's regime beforehand if, and during the 1990s, were relatively supportive of the regeneration of Jewish life and all that that meant uh, under his terms. So that would mean, for example, uh, installing a chief rabbi in Israel that is um, highly supportive of the Kremlin and highly cooperative with the Kremlin. But it did allow uh, for the reopening, uh, large-scale reopening of, of Jewish community centers, synagogues, communal life, a kind of freedom of, of religion that Jews or anybody else had not really enjoyed since the 1910, since the Bolshevik Revolution. So that is all true. There have been, since the beginning of the conflict with Ukraine, so now five months in, some serious pressures against some of the Jewish leaders, most markedly the chief rabbi of Moscow, who had non-positive things to say about uh, Russia's, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and pressure was applied, and he has now left uh, indefinitely the, um, the Russian Federation. And I think uh, this is another 
the, the pressures now being applied to the Jewish agency are a kind of signal. In a way, you know, back in the days of the Cold War, this was the kind of signaling that went on between the superpowers when they were displeased with the actions of the other side. So I think we need to see it in that, conf- in that context and not get overly agitated about you know, any kind of anti-Semitism and, and all that, because that, that's not really uh, what's going on here. Um, and, and I think we would all be well served to understand that there, the, Putin is now operating under a game plan that has repeated itself at least since the Second World War, um, vis-a-vis the Jewish community and, and outside agencies. Um, and in fact, even beforehand, really, it's from the 1930s, uh, in which um, um, the orientation of the Kremlin towards its its Jewish community, not Jews at large, uh, but its Jewish community can shift depending on what the international situation is and how threatened Russia feels from outside powers. And in many cases in the past, uh, before the disintegration of the Soviet Union, um, Soviet Jews or Czech Jews or Polish Jews were kind of victims of, of those high politics so I think we should also be aware of that. There are models at work here. And again, Putin may not be Joseph Stalin or Leonid Brezhnev, but he, he was born, um, he, he was born within that system. One voice that came out in support of uh, Prime Minister Lapid's position was that of Natan Sharansky. Yeah, absolutely. It's not surprising. Um, you know, uh, Natan Sharansky and many of the former refuseniks, he was a prisoner of Zion. Um, have very hard feelings towards the former regime and, and to a degree have also always felt a degree, uh, some discomfort with the Jewish community inside of Russia or at least its leadership uh, becoming so close to the Putin regime. And so it's not surprising at all that he and, and others would come out in, in disapproval of what Russia is doing right now. It, it, it's a natural outcome. Of, of their position uh, with Russia. And I think, if anything, what this, um, what this current episode is showing is sort of the, the frailness of a kind of illusion uh, that was, uh, or, or hope, among some uh, Israeli politicians, usually of uh, Russian descent or Soviet descent, who really did believe that a kind of very special relationship could be cultivated between Israel and, and Russia after 1991, by virtue of the fact that there were so many uh, former Russian, so former Soviet people in Israel. And I think this current episode, we don't know how it's going to end, but this current episode uh, um, really is an affirmation of, of that illusion. Russia, uh, in, uh, Russia acts in the international stage and in the domestic stage, not in terms of any you know, sort of uh, lasting friendships um, um, or collective guilt about anything rather in pursuit of what they perceive to be their national interests. And right now their national interests dictate victory of some sort in the current conflict with Ukraine. And if that means that it needs to signal to Israel that it need, that Israel must uh, recalibrate its orientation towards Russia in order not to be exposed to these kinds of pressures. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen if this continues uh, what that will mean in terms of um, Israel's freedom of action in Syria. Uh, we are in, uh, very much 
dependent on, on Russia's goodwill there and, and other strategic issues. So I think that um, although I, one can completely identify with how much uh, a prime minister, the current prime minister of Israel, is appalled by the humanitarian suffering in Ukraine inflicted by the Russians. And we also need to be, um, I suppose, very, very aware of what that means and, and, and how it needs to be handled in light of the much more complex um, uh, scene in which we live in the Middle East and the connections to what's happening now in, in, in Eastern and Southern Ukraine. 